0: This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. <laughs>
1: five and oh six i deployed to kuwait i used to wait every day for them to say nature going home i missed my life miss my wife for 15 months she was all alone Years of marriage it's never been better than this and we got three kids that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'm gonna lead the way cause I'm a firm believer we can do anything we want look if I said it then I meant it I probably already did it consider it done consider it done if you need some inspiration you should play this championship leadership podcast
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Championship Leadership Podcast. And today, I'm extremely honored and excited. We have Master Chief Edward Byers, a retired U.S. Navy SEAL of over 21 years of service, Medal of Honor recipient. And uh, I just really, really appreciate you taking some time to be here. I know, uh, as we've been talking, it's it's been difficult with with schedules to align. But I'm I'm excited that we've been able to make it happen. So thank you.
2: Well, yeah. Thanks for having me, Nate. It's, uh, it's excited to be on your uh, podcast and and looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the first question I always like to ask to really kick off the conversation is, you know, the name of the podcast is called Championship Leadership, which I think is a little bit unique. What does Championship Leadership mean to you when you
2: when you hear that? Well, I mean, you're you definitely come from a, a coaching background, right? You know, you, you yeah. coach sports your entire life or I have been more in been in the military for the two decades plus so you know my spin on championship leadership really revolves around a military mindset in particular special you know special operations and it's uh come down some fundamental tenets you know when you're at that elite level of leadership which i would you know equate to championship level Mm -hmm. leadership you know, as a leader, you're, you're always putting the team before self, you're, you know, building, you know, trust through your actions and building loyalty in that manner. And you're always letting them, the people that work for you, and that you also work with, that you're there for them. So you work for them as much as they work for you. And And that is really the essence of an elite team is that concept. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, just you and how you've gotten to where you are. I know you said you just very recently uh, have retired uh, from the U S Navy SEAL teams and um, you know, just kind of tell us a little bit about the path that maybe uh, you've been on to, to where you are today and where you're headed.
2: Sure. So I have to caveat everything that, it, you know, the past 21 years has been an an absolute blessing and a privilege. You know, it's not something there's many, many people that want to achieve something like that, like whether it's, you know, Green Beret or Navy SEAL or in special operations, and they they never quite achieved that. So Mm -hmm. that was a dream that I had when I was young. Uh, I grew up in Northwest Ohio and during the 90s, there really wasn't anything out about that. There was just starting to come out books on Vietnam, on special operations, in particular the uh, Naval Special Warfare and, and the, the Men with Green Faces from Vietnam. So that was my dream. And so to accomplish my, my dream has really been a, a privilege to be a part of that type of people. And what I what I can attribute that to is, you know, before the days of the internet that was readily available and at the, you know, your fingertips and there was a hundred different books and tons of videos and every technique on how to do something. Uh, It really came down to some mentorship and I really didn't have much growing up, but there was a one time, and I think this is really a power to, you know, being a, a leader in your own right slash a hero in somebody's mind especially when they're really needing advice or help and the impact one person can make on your life in just a matter of you know 30 minutes yeah and for that um my older nephew knew an Navy Seal that had just came back we had, grew up in Toledo Ohio so northwest Ohio he just gotten out of the military I think he probably only did, you know, maybe two tours at best. So maybe eight years in the Navy. And I was now a junior in high school and really trying to decide, okay, this is what I want to do. And I need to figure out how do I I go from this person that grew up in Northwest Ohio into this basically like mythical – job of within the military and he this guy took the time you know 30 minutes out of his life to go talk to a young man which you know and gave me a piece of paper that he handwritten written some notes on and I still have that in a binder today and it was some basic things you know that Everyone would go, oh, that's so basic, like be able to run this much or do this many pull-ups or this whatever, swim this much or do this in a day. But we were living in a time when there really wasn't a lot of that information out there free-flowing, and to hear it directly from a person who did it was monumental. And so that was my only interaction with that guy, and it had a, a really a, a profound impact in my life to start my journey and to end up where I was and now reflecting on it, you know, now since I've recently retired. Yeah. Yeah, that is powerful. Thanks uh, for sharing that. So that uh,
1: was
0: going to be my next question. Yeah. Have you, you know, have you, had you stayed in contact with this guy or um, sounds like you haven't?
2: No. So I, I, I think I once brought it up to my nephew uh, a few, maybe a year ago or so like, Hey, you remember who that guy was? And I really can't remember if he said yes or no, but yeah. it would be intriguing to uh, one day cross paths with him. I have no idea what he's up to, but you know, it was definitely David's force. I had a cell phone at least; yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right. nobody yeah. had. It. I did, and I didn't have email, so yeah. Yeah. Um, the, it was, It's kind of hard to, to speak to a generation now that he's like, "What do you mean you don't have those? <laughs> didn't have those things?" And it's, yeah, it's, totally. it's even weird saying saying that myself, but. No, but, you know, it's it's definitely something that I talk about quite a bit, and it's really like, you you just don't know if you just, what kind of lifelong change you can have on somebody. If a person's seeking some information and you just happen to be the person that has lived that life to answer those questions, like you could change, change your life forever. So, yeah.
0: There's a good chance he hasn't thought twice about that since then, right? And here it's made this significant impact on you and, and many others because of what you went and did with that since then. So, yeah, we, I was just talking about this with somebody else on a, on a podcast this morning about, you know, how I had aspirations to become a pro- professional athlete and, and I got kind of the opposite. Like everybody told me how, why I shouldn't and how I couldn't. And it was just that it, it would have took was, you know, whether it would have happened or not. Right. But that one person, to come into my life to say, Hey, yeah, we can do this. What's required. Let's go do it. Let's create the plan and see what happens. And uh, you know, it sounds like that's basically exactly what happened for you. So
1: powerful. Yeah.
2: I I will caveat that he was, you know, reflecting back on it and I by no means was an all-star child. You know, I wasn't a star (laughs) athlete. I did horrible in school because I just didn't care about learning Uh, I just, I knew at that point I wanted to go in the military and I thought that it was just going to all happen through osmosis, I guess. And so there was a point in my life where I just kind of woke up, but everybody in my life, 99% of them thought the same thing. I had a a best friend growing up that was by my side and started doing all the workouts with me. But this guy, I think just took it more from a, you know, I'm not saying you can't, I'm not saying you can, I'm just saying here's some things to think about that you should be able to do. And if you can't do those, then you might want to rethink what your career choices are. (laughs) So, um, but but it is that, you know, it it was that one little nugget. And that's all you need sometimes is is a little nugget to keep the fire, fire going inside.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, do you, you know, we we talk about championship leadership and people that come and impact your lives. Uh, you know, is that something that you think about? Or, I mean, is that something that you, you know, as you, as you touch people's lives, as you come into in the path, you know, is that important to you to continue to pass that torch, if you will, or to help and lift others up along the way?
2: Yeah, I think, it, I think it's very important, you know, to, to pay it forward. And I uh, do a, a lot of, you know, one-off conversations with people, you know, teenagers that were in my boat. Wanting to go do this, they have, you know, a lot of people telling them that they can't. And I always just go, you know, it's, you're like, people are like books. You never judge them by the cover or the way they, because you can never tell what's raging inside them or how hot the fire, you know, their heart burns for something. And that's what's so unique about the human dynamic and, and human passion and desire to overcome odds is that the people that you think are going to do it won't and the yeah. people that you thought wouldn't will. Yeah. And that was a, I saw, we saw that time and time again and we see it all the time and in, in basic underwater demolition seal training buds, our initial training is, yeah. you know, there was many, many people beside you that you thought would be there at the end and they just didn't because they didn't have that fiery passion. And so I carry that forward of, having those type of conversations when I can with people. And I also do it with, I don't have a nonprofit yet, but I I do a very small charitable award event every year back at my high school in Tontagany, Ohio, at Segal High School, where I present two different awards, one for exceptionalism and one for heroism to any person that goes to the school between 7th and 12th grade and to really just showcase within the community that you can there's heroes amongst you and there's people that do absolutely go above and beyond as an average citizen and that those things matter and so we we get the state senators and representatives to write them a, a letter of commendation and give them some money for either college or just say thanks and and so that's another way that i I really look to you know pay it forward and and showcase those that you know walk through everyday life and and do a lot of good with for the people that are right around them that are not you know adults that they're just they're teenagers that have a good head on their shoulders and just want to be model citizens and and go above and beyond in many different rights.
0: Oh, that's great. That's awesome that you do that. I want to talk a little bit about being a Medal of Honor recipient. And what's that like? I can imagine, you know, or I, I imagine, that there's a lot of emotion around it for many different reasons. There's probably, I would imagine, some, uh, a good amount of responsibility um, with that. And maybe just like how has that impacted you and your family, your life? since receiving Medal of
2: Honor. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as possible yeah. with it. You know, no no one ever, you never joined the military thinking you're going to become a, a Medal of Honor recipient. Right. That, that was stuff I read about, you know, growing up and typically, not always the case, but typically they're posthumous awards. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: something absolutely insane happened. It was like an enduring battle. Mm-hmm. And when you finally get the award, you know, just, you know, wipe away the lead up to it. Yeah. Of all that emotion that's happening. You're, you take a step back and you're just like, this is an incredibly humbling. Yeah. And the reason is, is because it carries this aura about it because it's, you know, the congressional medal of honor the nation's highest award. There is these, It's a society of all these other great human beings that have, you know, made their mark within our armed forces spanning all the way back. You know, we still have World War II recipients, thankfully, that are still alive and some pretty significant battles like Obiwo and just you you name, you can just go down the list and to, you know, stand next to these gentlemen, hear their stories like, wait, I don't, I was just doing my job. You know, like, I was just doing my job, and it was my teammates that thought I did something different, but to me, that's the life we signed up for, and so I didn't think I was doing anything out of the, out of the norm. Mm-hmm. What a, a lot of society doesn't usually tend with is the reliving and the death aspect that we do in the military as a whole, and like law enforcement does,
1: mm-hmm. or
2: anyone that's has one of those types of jobs that, you know, life and death is on the line all the time. And, you know, the majority of people in the world or in the United States, you know, people pass away all the time for various reasons. They go through the mourning process and then life goes on. And what we do in the military is because we shall never forget. And we should always remember the sacrifices of those who provided the blanket of freedom. We have, we, celebrate their lives and we toast to their memories every year and that's substantially more than civilians typically do you know not not everyone but the majority is like they go through the morning process and what have you when you become a medal honor recipient it becomes even more amplified because up until I became a recipient I was still on the teams and we had teammates that passed away you know I mean I killed in battle and you know, you toast to their memories and you visit their graves in Arlington. A year goes by and life gets busy and then it pops up again and you do it over again. And, but as a recipient, you, you relive that stuff all the time, yeah, all the time. And so that is the part that's extremely humbling because it's, you know, you're standing there for a reason and there's people that are not standing there for a reason. And you just happened to make it out, and they didn't, so that part is uh one of the aspects of it's it's an honor and privilege and pleasure to relive their memories and to be able to identify who they were and, and what they did you know the but at the same time it's something you never get to put down either so there's a there's a tricky balance that comes with being being a recipient mhm. And then there's a whole other side of the house where a lot of people don't know what it is. And they just think it's this, Hmm. they have some interesting understanding of it. They just think it's just some like award that you got and they look at you in a certain different light. And, you know, the majority of people that have them outside of some of the medics and stuff like that, they got it for doing some very violent things. So people immediately put you in this box of, you know, you're a different type of light. And like, well, I, I kind of lived a, you know, the life I lived was pretty uh, intense, if I would, if I was to say yeah, anything. And, and so that's a, there's some tricky parts to navigate in that when you go around the country, and you interact with people and, and, and talk with people, but it's all great yeah. uh, learning points. And it's one of the, you know, the honors of being a recipient is getting out there and and showcasing the medal and this, the traits that it represents, sacrifice, integrity, patriotism, courage, commitment, and citizenship. And to go and speak to schools and, and veterans groups and everyday citizens that just want a chance to ask questions about what life is like, because maybe they have a town that doesn't have a lot of military or what have you. So come full circle on your question, you know, that also takes its toll on the family too. You know, when you, yeah. uh, when you're in the military and when you, you've done the job that I was, you know, privileged to be a part of, you could spend upwards of 300 days a year gone mm-hmm. with deployments and to do that for an entire career means that your family and your kids sacrifice a lot about you not being home and so when you're supposed to, quote unquote, retire, that's supposed to mean like, oh, you're, you're going to be home now. Right. And my <laughs> yeah. daughter, who's going to be 15s, never, ever once complained about that. And for the first time ever this year, she made a comment of I thought retiring meant you were supposed to be home more. Mm. And that's a gut punch. Yeah, that's that's a gut punch. Because the flip side of the house, which is a whole other thing you have to battle with the majority of society, is that when they hear the word retirement, it's like, okay, you've done your time, you obviously have enough build up that you can now just relax and enjoy life. But retiring in the military is a misnomer, right? That's yeah. you don't. That just means you have to go get another job. Yeah, so right. yeah. that part of my life's over with. Now it's time to go. You know either become a entrepreneur or go start a whole another entire career. So the train never stops and you just, you keep going and, and everyone makes sacrifices and you do the best you can.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate, appreciate you doing that. Um, what's uh, and I want to respect your time. I know we got a little, we got a time hack to, to stay to receiving the medal of honor it's it's like it's just a part of you it's not something that you can just say i don't want to set this down and just like go on and live my life again and like it it is a part of you so is is there you have a vision for how you want to really impact now that that is like been bestowed on you that you that you've received this honor this medal this recognition for what what you did to use it you know, to really serve and impact to its greatest capability. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you, as a recipient, you you get hundreds of requests a year mm-hmm. to go do things. Yeah. That That's next. I mean, that's impossible to facilitate all those, sure. right? Just by the nature of time and, and bandwidth. So there are, aspects of what you do, like, okay, I'm going to go and, and these are going to be pro bono and that's your charitable side of the house and, and you go and do those. And and then there's other aspects where, you know, corporations or what have you, you know, want you to come sp- speak at a symposium or a, a executive leadership luncheon or what have you. And that's uh, a whole nother aspect. So yeah, in in one token, you're going there, in part because you're a Medal of Honor recipient, and another part you're going there to because of the fact that I spent two plus decades at at a very elite level in the military, and with that, I, you bring a sense of style and and leadership, and how to handle adversity, and myriad of other things that that goes with that so but in every instance no matter if it's the pro charitable side of the house or if you're actually going to you know from a business perspective mm-hmm. there's always a chance to to weave in the values that the metal represents and what it actually means to the nation and why we have it and to really help people understand something that's in all honesty foreign to many, many Americans. Mm-hmm. No one would ever question what a Super Bowl ring would look like or the Lombardi trophy or the Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know. But a lot of people will go, What is that thing around your neck? And it's an opportunity then to help inform everyday good Americans and, and Patriots, because at least they're asking a question with other people's, you know, a lot of people would just, just walk on by and look yeah. at their phone or, or do whatever. So right. it's a, it's a really good opportunity to connect with, with Americans and people you normally would never, you know, just by the nature of jobs and life, you would never interact, see, or, or talk to you. So you really are able to get a true sense of, a whole bunch of different unique perspectives from all across America. And, and that that's what I really think is beneficial about being a recipient is, is that opportunity to connect with so many different communities and Americans around the nation that nor, you never would have interacted with, or I never even heard of that town. And I grew up in a small town. Yeah. That's one thing I, I want to keep, going and to be able to bring that back and to properly message it and to continue to grow with that.
0: Yeah. I know in doing some research and reading up on you and getting prepared for this, uh, faith is a very big part of your life. Is that still true for you?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I grew up, uh, Go ahead. I, I grew up Catholic and uh-huh. my family wasn't deeply religious. Uh, my brother-in-law is a deacon, and he was the one that really tried to instill like the f- foundational elements or tenets of the church. And it sung to me. It, there was something about it that I I, I liked. Uh, maybe because of the the history behind it, you know, the yeah. the traditions that were involved with it. You know, just something just very ancient about it. That t- you know the, the mass you have today is. Roughly you know things have obviously changed, but the, roughly the same format that's going from way back I mean outside of yeah. you know the Latin verse regular but and then progressing in into the military it was just like the third leg of a of a chair with a, th- a three legged chair you know mm-hmm. so it was you know fitness and health and then your job and family and then the other one was like okay your your faith aspect because if you don't have those in balance the thing tips over and this, yeah. this is kind of the way I'm, I'm i'm looking at it so and then come about 2005 very you know right after I got to my first seal team we went on our first deployment to iraq is when i ran across a fellow SEAL who was just leaving country after being there for eight months and that's when i saw this patch and i grew up in the Latin mass. So I saw it right away. It was in Latin. It was a St. Michael, the archangel patch. And, and I don't know what compelled me. And I walked over to the guy and I said, Hey, you're know, start up a conversation with him. I'm like, where did you get that patch? Like, I, I, I'm i a big fan of St. Saint Michael, St. Saint Michael, because he's patron saint of military and police. And, uh, he started talking. I just, out of the blue was like, Hey, can I have that? And he, without hesitation, just gave it to me. Yeah. And, I have no idea who this guy is to this day. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll hear the story of this and go reach out and go, "Hey, yep. that was me." Right. That'd be kind of cool. Then it just became a became a way of promoting that there's something bigger out there than us. And he was a warrior, right? And sure. I by no means try to replace Jesus with St. Michael. By right. by no means but as, as a whole, it's, it's a very nice way to segue into uh, the Christian faith. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, coming with Jesus all the time, it's, you know, he's a Lord and Savior. Yeah. But for some people, it might be, you know, too much for them to take on because they don't have the same beliefs as you. Whereas, you know, you start them on St. Michael, who's yeah. super powerful, and then it might be a, a transition for them. Yeah. So Saint Michael's been my go go to, and he's uh been there every step of the way when in battle and 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 what have you. And so I, I've always, when I became a recipient, I was like, "There's without a doubt something I have to do," and yeah. and that's give a uh, public acknowledgement to the faith in God and, and you know Jesus and and Saint Michael and. Mm-hmm. It's something compelled me to do that and it's uh it was interesting because still being active duty at the time, I really didn't care what they were gonna think or, you know, the military as a whole, I was like, I'm gonna say these things in public and on national TV and it doesn't I don't care. And so yeah. it was really intriguing because I had a couple of four star generals come up to me and and uh one in particular was like you know, I've been in for 40 years and you inspired me to actually pronounce my faith during a speech. It was, uh, I was like, I'm, I'm just a, you know, when it comes to that, the spiritual realm, just a vessel, like use me however you yeah. want. And I also know that I'm, I'm a sinner like everyone else. And that's why we need, need them in our You need them in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it, you know, god and faith has always is played the dinner go a part of the game in my life
0: essentially yeah thank you for sharing that and that's really what i was uh yeah, i mean that was a question like how how have you been able to use that uh, with everything else that's going on in your life to to impact others and that's just uh that was a powerful powerful story of how, how that how you are able to do that so thank
2: you thank you so much appreciate it uh, yeah i mean absolutely it's you know just to to finish that thought is you know again it's you know we all we all put our pants on the same way right and i'm the type of person i don't cast stones in a glass house Mm -hmm. we all have um, difficulties and that's what makes us human that's what makes us fallible and so it's it's the one part of my life that you can go to where it's completely non-judgmental and you can find solace and some peace and, you know, ask for forgiveness or say thanks or uh, request intercession on other people's behalf. Cause I tell you what, it's sad today, how many veterans we have that commit suicide every day. Yeah. It's sad how many otherwise healthy military personnel that were at elite levels that, are developing brain cancer in the thirties. I know two people right now, Mm. you know, that have it like late stage. And it's like, how do you, how do you rationalize something like that? When Mm -hmm. you spent your whole life living on the edge in defense of freedoms, you make it through all that stuff. And then something inside you comes out of nowhere you know, way too young, you know, yeah. thirty, forty years before that's ever supposed to happen. Yeah. How do you reconcile that and find comfort? I don't I don't know. So you can know, only hope and pray to the big man upstairs, you know, to find a way to give them strength and comfort during their trying times and give them enough strength to fight it off and, and come back. But.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you. What's one thing that the listeners, you know, if you could give them that they could implement today for themselves uh, would help them move forward, be a better person, be a better leader in their life?
2: We we live in a society now where it's constantly, you got got to do more. You got to do more. You got to, you know, like I, I don't even keep hours anymore, it seems like. Yeah. You know, typically at a nine to five work day and then work was over, you came home and that was it. And then you reset, you went back the people don't do that anymore. They're just on all the time. And then there's this incredible sense of they're not doing enough, even when they're doing stuff all the time. And so it's, it's, it's really taking a moment and going, you have to create your own destiny. You have to get out there and be relentless in, your, in pursuit of whatever passion you have. In the same stroke, it's okay to take a breather and, and not be so hard on yourself. There's always, always tomorrow. Right. So more than likely there's going to be tomorrow. So as long as you remember your, you know, you have a good foundation and the the tenets of what you grew up in and remember the only easy day was, you know, yesterday that you just wake up, you give your best, you're going to fail. You have to, you have to fail at things. It doesn't mean you fail overall you're not going to be the very best at something the first time you do it we witnessed this with our daughter you know the god bless her she's like she thinks that the first time she does something she has to be perfect at it and my daughter's frustrated because she's not yeah, absolutely
1: yeah. right and it's like yeah. you
2: know the, the reason people are pro- pros at it because they work their entire yeah. life at doing something so yeah. is that you have to just be persistent you have to fall down and get back up you have to keep falling down get back up and that's probably the key to life is that if you don't i mean you have a 100 analogies from sports teams and sports stars you know that have, have told the world time and time again you know if i didn't fail i wouldn't be here it's the same from the military perspective and in business is that just You have to keep trying and keep failing. It's better to fail faster. So don't prolong it. Don't prolong something and then fail. Just go hit something. If it doesn't work out. Okay. Pivot to something else and keep driving on. And if you do that with hard work and determination, the world will open itself up to make your dreams possible. And that, that is a fundamental truth is that, you know, people can't have more of a passion and belief in something that you want to do than you Yeah, 100%. because it's clear. It's clear as day. And yeah. you know, you see it on the, the courts or, you know, when, it, when you're a coach, you can tell the ones that just have the drive inside that no matter what, they're just going to keep going. And those are the people you naturally gravitate to, to want to help. Because we all have that inner, if you have any competitiveness about you or any desire to succeed within you, you know what that feels like. And so you, the, if you exude that as a person, the world will come around you, the universe will come around you and help you achieve, achieve your goals. Yeah.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, wh- what's a way that we can you know, support you and what you got going on, um, follow you? Yeah, if you let the listeners know in any way that we can do that.
2: Sure. You can follow me. I do one social media account, it posts to the other ones. I don't have time for anything else, but it's Instagram <laughs> yeah. and it's uh, Frogman, just like it sounds Frogman, yep. M O H V I. It stands for Medal of Honor Six. So, Frogman, M O H V I. That's the only thing I can ask is just uh, follow me. Like the stuff I post, I'm not I'm not the greatest at doing it, but I get it out there when I can.
0: So absolutely, we'll definitely do that. We'll get that linked up, and uh, you know, thank you so much for being here uh, and taking some time out of your day to to join us. And and I really really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Coach. You take care. Let's
1: go. In '05 and '06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say. Nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. 15 months, she was all alone. Marriage has never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader.